0: Let's go to God with the word of prayer. Our worship service started off with an incredible bang. Thank you Desmond for taking us to the cross and reminding us of the mentality that Jesus had as a servant and uh, it's always good to see a married couple up doing something serving together so I'm encouraged uh, by the sands and I have a message for us today that I'm going to try out on Harlem first, and then I'm going to share with our teens tomorrow at camp. So Harlem teens, act like this is the first time you heard it tomorrow, all right? Let's pray. Our great and awesome Father in heaven, we are just truly grateful that you allow us to worship you. God, we are so humbled by your your love and your grace and your mercy, uh, knowing that we deserve uh, nothing uh, short of death, God, you have, reach down from heaven. You have lifted us up out of the muck and the mire uh, and you've put us on a pedestal of life that only Jesus's blood could have purchased. And God, we are just so grateful and we ask that you will help us to humbly follow you. God, we pray that you help us to learn all that we can about you, Father, so that we can make informed decisions about our lives and not just go by our feelings. And God, we love you. We thank you for this time. We pray that you'll uh, inspire us by your word. Use me as your as your servant in Christ Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the title today is called "The Map." Whose ways are you following? Now, before I get into my sermon, we have a very special guest uh, in Harlem today. It's not really a guest. You know, when you once you're a part of Harlem's family, you're always a part of Harlem's family. So it's. It's not a guest. It's like a family member that just came to visit for, like, you know, dinner, Sunday dinner, something like that, right? Sandy Jones is visiting all the way from Abu Dhabi. Hey, Amen. Stand up, girl. Stand up. There you go. All right. It's always good to see a familiar face. It shows that Harlem is crossing where we're even in the Middle East our influence. It's God is awesome, right? The Bible speaks of two eternal destinations, heaven and hell. Now, hell was never intended to be a place for you and me. It was a place that God had created for his enemy, the Satan. Satan. Now, we talked about this last week, how sometimes even Christians have a hard time saying hell. Because we don't want to come across too religious or sound... Uh, to fire and brimstone-ish. But the truth of the matter is, there is a heaven and a hell. Because God himself speaks of it and his word makes that clear. Now heaven, on the other hand, is a place where God himself resides. And that's where he wants for us to be with him. God wants us to come home. Now here's the thing, each place has a path that leads to it. Whether you intentionally go one way or the other, you're on a path. And we need to make sure that we're on the right path. Amen? Have you ever traveled to an unfamiliar place by only verbal instructions? Like those of us who were traveling before there was GPS and and different apps and someone was trying to give you directions, to a place that you've never been before, right? Does it sounds something like this. Well, yeah, you can walk or drive a ways until you get to a big tree, turn left, go on for a spell until you come to an old red mailbox, stick a letter in it, wave to old man Jenkins, head down the road until you come to a creek, bear right, you'll pass until you see another tree, keep right until you see Oak Street. Make a left, pull into the service station, Try some of Mrs. Moon's sweet tea, then ask for Larry, the gas attendant, for the rest of the directions to get to where you need to go. Sometimes we need directions for the directions. And I remember the days of writing down, so where am I going? What am I looking for? I passed the tree. I didn't see the sign. And and we just get confused, right? Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm traveling anywhere, I like to know exactly where I'm going. I like to know where I'm going. I like to know where I'm headed. And I need at least a reliable source of navigation. Now, one of my favorite apps is Waze. That's one of my favorite apps. I've used Google Maps for, a long, for, for years. But when I got put onto Waze, I was like, it was like my world was changed. And I'll tell you why I like this, right? One of the reasons why I like Waze is because of all the options. The people that are ahead of you are telling you what to look out for. So when you're, you got a mile up and you're going up the street, somebody posts hazard and it shows up on your app so you know, okay, there's a hazard up ahead. Someone comes across a pothole. They'll say, hey, pothole, and it pops up on your screen and there's like little blurbs or like little guys like that that looks like little cars and you can, you know, create your, little, your own little emoji and mine's got shades and I think I got a little goatee on mine. But what I like about it is the warnings, the heads up that you get along the way. Life is not always like that. You know, you can help out other drivers as well. What I love about it is it's like a community, it's sort of like the church. You know, some of us, we're all on the same road. And some of us were a little further ahead than others. And we can tell people about the hazards and the warnings up ahead. Here's what to expect year five in your walk with God. Here's what you can expect the first year in your walk with God. Here's what you can expect ten years walking with God and so on and so on and so on. It's a very informative, useful map that can help you get to your destination. Now, it's not always reliable because technology is not always reliable. But it's a great tool to have. But I want to talk about a map that's very reliable. I want to talk about a map that was used by others who are along the same path that can help guide us to our destination, which is heaven, and that map is the Bible. When someone invites you to their home, for the first time, they give you directions. And God is no different. None of us have ever been to heaven before. It will be our first time in heaven. And God wants to make sure we get there. So God gives us directions. They're clear. They're right. They will get you there every single time. We want to get to heaven, we got to follow God's map. So the Bible is the only reliable map that he left for us to get to heaven. So I have a simple point with you today. God's ways is lit. God's ways is lit. Literally. Listen to what the scripture says. Psalm 119, verse 105, your way is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. God's word is like a light that shows us the way. Some of us were going down a dark path until we turned to God's ways. Sometimes people need help getting on to the right path. You ever see someone pulled over, lost, or someone ever asked you for directions, and then you realize you gave them the wrong direction? That happened to me the other day. Someone was asking, hey, there's a, I'm looking for such and such park. I heard it was right over here. I said, oh, yeah, I think that's right there by the school. And as the person drove away, I thought, oh, that's the wrong part. And you kind of wish you had some way of contacting, but it's too late. You don't have to worry about that with God's word because God's ways are always right. God's ways are reliable. God's ways are true. And even if someone uh, misquotes or misdirects you, all you got to do is go to the map and you'll get back on track. How do you know if you're going in the wrong direction? How do you know? How do you know if you're going in the wrong direction? Now, some of us think that we have a built-in GPS. We can just feel the compass in our souls are like, ooh, I'm going the wrong way. Let me, something in my gut is telling me to turn right. Now, you can go by that compass all you want. Just make sure I'm not in the passenger seat with you. I want a reliable navigation system. I'm not going by feelings. You can't navigate through life by feelings alone. You can't even navigate life through conviction alone. There's an article I read in the paper about an ex ku Klux Klan member, a former grand dragon of the KKK, who went to that Charlottesville Event last year, that's to, he went there with the intentions of sparking a race war. And he has since had a change of heart. Nearly one year ago, Ken Parker joined hundreds of other white nationalists at a Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. That day, he wore a black shirt with two lightning bolts sewn onto the collar, the uniform of the National Socialist Movement, an American neo-Nazi group. For Parker, the day ended up taking a different path. Hours before Heather Heyer's death, that was the woman who was killed in that, that whole riot, he and his group of neo-Nazis headed back to the parking garage to regroup after the rally was declared an unlawful assembly. There he met a filmmaker, Dia Khan, who was filming the event for a documentary on hate groups called White Right Meeting the Enemy. He recalled Khan's kindness in a moment of his weakness. I pretty much had a heat exhaustion after the rally because we like to wear our black uniforms and I drink a big red bull before the event and I was hurting and she was trying to make sure I was okay. Parker says she was completely respectful to me and my fiance the whole time, he says of Khan. And so that kind of got me thinking. She's a really nice lady. Just because she has darker skin and believes in a different God than the God that I believe in, why am I hating these people? A few months later, Parker was still weighing those doubts when he saw an African-American neighbor having a cookout near a pool in his apartment complex. As the sun set, the crowd thinned. Parker and his then-girlfriend approached the man, William McKinney III, a pastor at All Saints Holiness Church. Parker didn't know McKinney was a pastor at first, but says he knew there was something different about him. They sat down, McKinney recalls, and he said that he had some questions for me, and I just asked, what were some of the questions they had? They kept talking, then decided to meet up for more discussion. Sounds familiar? Soon after, McKinney invited Parker to the church's Easter service. Six years after they joined the Klan and just served seven months after Charlottesville, Parker decided he had had enough. A month after that, he stood before the mostly African-American congregation of his new church and testified. I said I was a grand dragon of the KKK, and then the clan, and then and then the clan wasn't hateful enough for me, so I decided to become a Nazi. And a lot of them, their jaws about hit the floor and their eyes got real big. Parker recalls that before the service, but after the service, not a single one of them had an, anything negative to say. They all came up, started hugging, shaking my hand, building me up instead of tearing me down. The former neo-Nazi said he started to get messages from people in the hate movement, but instead of recruiting them, he now tells them to follow the same path he did. Now, I don't know where God is going to take this man, but I know he's, on the, he's, he's, he's getting on the right path. Here's a man who was on the right path but did not know it because he had strong convictions about his race. He had strong beliefs that was driving his actions, driving his emotions, driving the decisions that he made towards other people. So to some people, it's the right thing. What they're doing is right. You can't convince them otherwise until someone shows them a different Way. Someone had to show him that he was on the wrong path, that he was going the wrong way. There's nothing more frustrating than traveling in the wrong way for hours. Going the wrong way, and then you realize, wait a second, I don't know this. Where's there's none of this, And then you realize you've been driving for hours in the wrong way. Imagine going the wrong way for years. And then finally have someone say, hey, you're going in the wrong direction. You're on the wrong path. What I thought was really convicting was how he explained they steered him on the right path. Look in Luke chapter 6, verse 27. It says, but I tell you, hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. In verse 35 and 36, but love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your heavenly Father is merciful. Love and kindness. Isn't that God's ways? They use love and kindness to steer this man off the wrong path and help him to get onto the right path. Sometimes we feel we gotta use the world's methods to get people to turn around. No, I need to treat them the way they're treating me. I need to use the powers that I can physically use and 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 organize and and and, and materialize to get the, 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 the changes and results that I want. And that's because we lack the faith in God's words. That God's ways is the best way. We've been trying our own way for all life. Where has it gotten us? Where has it gotten us? Jesus teaches that love must must not be selective. You can't pick and choose who to love. God calls us to love everybody, even those who don't love you. But that's not what the world says. The world says I need to keep positive, positive forces around me, positive vibes around me. I don't, I don't need any negative people around me. I don't, I don't need these negative vibes and, 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 and uh, you know, auras around me. I need to keep happy people around me. But what if the unhappy people can benefit from being around you? Have you ever been unhappy and just needed a friend to talk to? What if everybody had that attitude that I'm not going to associate with unhappy people? I'm not going to fellowship with with, with uh, depressed people. I'm just going to look for the happy people that's going to make me feel good about myself. It's not God's ways. It's not God's ways. Disciples are to love all people regardless of how unloving or even hostile they may be. We got to act in love. Act in love by being willing to do what is in our power to do. If you have the power to help someone, then we got to use that power to help someone. You know, we're a lot like the Wazers in that app. All along, but we're on God's eternal app. Helping people along the way letting people know about the potholes ahead, looking out for those stumbling blocks of sin, the thing that can easily steer you off course, right? We would like to warn people of the speed traps. Slow down. Wait on God. Be patient. God has a plan for your life because if you keep going the speed you're going, you're going to get pulled over. And nobody likes to get pulled over for speeding, right? We like to know about the heavy traffic ahead. We like to warn. I love those. Warn. Those are my favorite ones. Because then I can make a decision if I want to stay on this path or not. But that heavy traffic, you talk about the life obstacles. There are things in life that's going to slow you down. There are things in life that's going to frustrate you. There are things in life that's, that's going to make you stop in your boots. I've been there. Here's how you get around that. We appreciate that, right? What about the construction ahead? It's time for a detour. You're going this way, but there's a stop sign up ahead. So now you've got to find a different, let's, let's take a different path to get to where we're going. You see, here's the thing. When we use God's word to help people, in a way it's like paying it forward. Because when you help someone, they help someone, and someone helps you. It's a lot like this app. You help someone, and someone is helping you. That's God's ways. Loving one another. Love your neighbor. So while you're trying to love your neighbor, someone's trying to practice that with you. Let them do it. If they're trying to love you, if they're trying to help you, let them help you because they're appreciative of what someone has done for them. If someone sees your life going... On a, on a wrong path, you got to allow people in your life to, hey, bro, you know what? You're going down that street. I just went down that street. Trust me, you don't want to go there. But some of our attitude is like, look, this is my car. I know where I'm going. I'll get there. I got a shortcut. You can't shortcut your way through life. On God's road, you got you to stay on God's road if you want to get to heaven. Disciples in the room, let me speak to you for a second. What does this mean for you? This means that you must stay lit. You got to stay lit because otherwise how will people know where you're going? How will people know the truth? You are a part of this plan. You are a part of God's map. We got to stay lit. In Matthew 5 verse 14. You are the light of the world. Verse 16, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. God intends for our good deeds to be seen, especially by those who don't know God. Because you can't tell me that the world doesn't need more love. You can't tell me that the world doesn't need more kindness. You can't tell me that the world doesn't need more compassion. You can't tell me that the world doesn't need more people serving other people, and they need to see it because people are losing hope. They're losing hope, and you and I get to give them hope. Amen. We get to give them hope. You never know when you'll get the opportunity to show someone the way. So you gotta stay lit. God's way stays lit, and so must we. For the rest of us here, where are you heading? Do you even know where you're headed? Do you even know where you're going? We need to realize where we're going before it's too late. In John chapter 12, in verse 35 to 36, it says, Jesus told them, you're, not, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he's going. Put your trust in the light while you have it so that you may become sons of light. At his time, Jesus challenged his hearers to be urgent. He challenged them to be urgent. Now, sometimes we're, we're like, well, look, I don't want to rush into things. I don't want to rush into a relationship with God because I don't want to start and not finish. It don't, it don't stop. It's as simple as that. Well, well I, don't, I don't know. I don't know enough. I, you know, I don't know my way around the Bible. Then learn. How did you learn how to drive? How did you learn how to walk? You fell a few times. You crawled. That didn't stop you from trying. You know, we come up with all sorts of excuses of why we're not, you know, well, well what if God doesn't answer all my prayers? Or what if God doesn't, doesn't do this to my life? What if God doesn't, do you want to get to heaven or not? See, God is not going to invest in the temporary like we tend to do. Everything in this life is temporary, even our marriages. I would love to stay married to my wife for eternity. But the Bible says there's not going to be marriage in heaven, so I'm thinking, man, heaven's got to be a really awesome place. <laughs> if I can't stay married to my wife, I'm like, this has got to be an amazing place. Well, James, I never got to build my, to, I never got to own my dream home. Well, God is building you a home. Who would you rather have building your home? Some architect or some 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 construction worker who could cheat you? Or would you want the guy who built the Grand Canyon, who formed the oceans, who formed the, the great red oaks? Who would you rather have building your house? The hands that built the earth that we get to enjoy? Or some fallible, imperfect hands that may not do a great job? God is saying, I am building a home for you. I'm building a home that's going to last for eternity. Only God has the hands to build eternal with eternal materials. We can't stay invested in the, in, the, in, the, uh, the, in the temporary. We get caught up in our life here on earth that we miss out on the treasures of God. You need to trust God. What keeps us from following God's map? I think the fear of losing control. We rather hold on to what we know. You know, James, I don't even use GPS because I don't trust those things. And you use something, though. Even when you're on a train, there's a big old map right there in the middle of the platform. And you're looking at where the A connects to the C and how you can get to the ‑‑ we all use maps. We all use maps because we're all going somewhere. And I think sometimes we fear losing control of what we have. We work so hard to get our life to a certain place, and we fear losing control of that because God doesn't specifically tell us what he's going to do with it. Fear of the unfamiliar. You know, sometimes you drive down a path that you've never been, and it can be scary. I remember taking my daughter to that Hope for Kids camp for the first time, and I was praying the whole time. I'm like, Lord, these roads are crazy. You're making a turn and you, don't, you can't see any cars coming and, and, you know, and I'm like, yo, these are some narrow roads. And the worst thing is to drive at night. And so you want your high beams on and, and then you're driving scared and then you got somebody dr- coming towards you. They're driving scared and, and it's just a scary thing. Life can be that way on God's path. It can be scary because it's unfamiliar to us, but that's when we got to hold and cling to God even more. We got to trust that God wants us to be with him. God even promises us in Isaiah 46, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. See, God promises to help us through those unfamiliar terrains in life once we decide to use his map. Another thing is everyone else is going that way. It's another reason. Another thing that keeps us from going on God's, that following God's map, it's easier to go where everybody else is going. It's easier To go down a familiar path, down a path where everybody okays everything you do. It's easy to go that way. It takes courage. It takes faith to go down a path that's not like everybody else's. I think young people have a particularly hard time with this because they want to fit in. Well, they're listening to this kind of music. Well, they're dressing this way. Well, they're doing this. They got this. They, they, they're part. They, they, they got this account. They got that account. I feel left out. I don't belong. You know what? You don't need to belong to everything that's out there. You don't. I remember the first. You guys remember MySpace? Some of the young people don't remember that. It's like MySpace. What is that? Place in the room. Place your, You mean your. Your man cave? I'm not talking about that. It was a social media before Facebook took off. There was MySpace, and everybody had a MySpace page, and they hooked that page up with all their favorite things, and and you can post on people, you can send pictures and all that stuff, and and I remember some of my coworkers had some crazy looking MySpace pages, and I'm like, you know what? Keep your space out of my space, <laughs> because I don't want to see what's on your space. And I mean, there was just things, but the temptation, the pull was so strong to just want to fit in. Because it was so hard being the only one in your workplace, reading your Bible, telling people the truth. Not looking at every pretty girl that walked in, not giving into every gossip conversation that came your way, not doing all the illegal things that everybody else in your job was doing. It is hard. And that pull is real. That temptation is strong. I'm not saying it is easy. But just because it's easy doesn't mean that it's right. Matthew seven thirteen enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide that and the way is easy that leads to destruction. But the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. See, the easy way is not always the best way. We want an easy way in a lot of things. An easy way out of debt, an easy way to lose weight, an easy way to get married. An easy way to fix our lives. There are no easy ways to to things. God allows things to be difficult sometimes for a reason. Because he's trying to build character in us. He's trying to refine our faith. So if he makes everything easy, every time you ask for God to give you something and he gives it to you, then what are you learning? How are you growing? God stops becoming God the Father, the Creator, and he becomes a a genie in a bottle. That every time you want something, you rub that bottle. All right, Lord, it's time for me to do this. I need you to do this. And he waves his hand over your life and just gives it to you because you want it. God, take away this sin. God could do it. But then how would he truly be glorified if his word wasn't followed? We wouldn't need the Bible if God just gave us everything we wanted. We got to trust God we got to trust that his way is the right way. Amen? Psalm 119, there are many blessings for following God's map. And this is just a few. Psalm 119, verse 9, you want to be a pure man? By living according to your word, the Bible says. A young man can keep his way pure. Psalm 119, verse 130, your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple so that that i don't understand everything i don't know everything that takes away that excuse right there god's ways gives understanding to the simple in verse 133 direct my footsteps according to your word god gives us direction through his word he promises that's a blessing matthew 7 verse 24 everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock The storm came, beat against that house, yet it did not fail. It did not fall. Why? Because it was built on the foundation of God's word. In Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, verse 20, hear the word, accept it. And that seed produced a crop. Our life becomes fruitful when we hold to God's word, when we live to God's word. Luke 11, verse 28, Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice? God says that your life will be blessed if you put His words into practice. You will be happy. Your life will be blessed. Your career will be blessed. Your marriage will be blessed. Your children will be blessed. God even has scriptures to help you with health, with finances. God has scriptures to help you with investment. God's way is best. In John 8, verse 51, I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. There's a spiritual death that's connected to hell. God says, if you follow my way, you will never see death. Your soul will live for eternity. And in John 15, verse 7, my words remain in you. My words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. Now, God promises to give us what we ask for, but that comes with a condition of remaining in his word. Remaining in his word. Now, these are just a few of God's promises. These are just a few. At the end of the day, it all comes down to this. We have a choice. Follow God's ways or follow the world's ways. We got a choice. And for those of us who started on the map, who, follow, who started following God's map, we got to stay on that road. We got to keep following God's ways. We can't step off of God's ways and expect life to go as smooth and, and as, as, as he promised in his word. No, we got to stay on the map. We got to keep using the Bible, not our feelings. We got to keep going by what the word says in 1 Corinthians. And we'll close out here in verse 1. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. The Bible says that the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. Those who are on the wide road. But we who are being saved know this very, the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosopher? The philosopher the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters. God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God is in his wisdom, saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. Many people in Paul's time And even today, mocked the simplicity of the message of the cross. God came down in flesh as his son Jesus, lived a life for us to follow, sacrificed himself for our sins so that we wouldn't have to pay the price for our sins, and then God called him back to heaven. Simple message. To some, it's too foolish to even follow. But that is God's wisdom. That's God's wisdom. If God said that you had to crawl on your knees from Harlem to Jerusalem, would that be a better plan? God kept it very simple for us. I'm leaving my word. Follow it. Hold to it. And you know what? While you're on the road, share it with some other people. Our society worships power, influence, and wealth, all of which, without God's guidance, can lead us down a path of destruction. God's wisdom can help us navigate through this life. It can help us avoid the hidden traps. It can even help us get back on track once we realize that we're going a different direction than where God wants us to go. Which path are you on? If you want to get to God's house, then you got to stay on God's ways. God's ways is lit. Let's make sure we stay lit as well. God be the glory.